0: Good morning once again. Uh, I always uh, start, I always preface when I do this that uh, I'm no preacher and uh, certainly uh, if you came to hear a sermon this morning, you're not going to hear it. This is more a a presentation, but I I hope it's something that's a a bit timely and will offer us some information that's uh, encouraging to us during uh, this uh, time of pandemic pandemic. and uh, economic as well as health uh, depravity. So our first slide here is uh, sort of one that uh, if any of you have been watching the news, I'm sure you've heard that I believe the science. Uh, many people are uh, saying, you know, I believe the scientists. And it's, it's, it's a rather glib phrase, actually. I mean, <laughs> believe in science is just really to believe in a method oftentimes you don't hear the, the opposite, that, that I believe in God. And unfortunately, there's uh, quite often an undercurrent that uh, those that do, do believe in a higher authority uh, hold beliefs that uh, aren't compelling to the scientific mind. Uh, we tend to generalize, I think, you know, that the secular public uh, thinks that organized religion uh, attempts to uh, oppose scientific progress. And uh, in, in, in a similar manner, uh, many uh, religious folk uh, think that science could, is a major cause of uh, erosion of the faith. So this morning I wanted to give a few biographical sketches, try to relate it to science, religion, and base it upon another topic that uh, we uh, hear a lot about now, that everyone knows about, is uh, vaccination. Of course, with the... Uh, the COVID vaccine being coming available for us. This is a picture of the Reverend Roland Hill. Now, some of you may have recalled seeing this before. Test your memory. Back when the pastor gave his uh, lessons on Nehemiah, he had used this same uh, photo to show uh, the Reverend Mr. Hill. He was, uh, Reverend Hill was quoted by the great Baptist uh preacher John Haddon Spurgeon, who was then quoted by Chuck Swindoll, who was then quoted by uh, Craig Ball. (laughs) And it was about the uh, complaint that uh, Reverend Hill had had in regard to when he had gone to visit a uh, a dying man, he said, oh, I remember you. I heard your preach 65 years ago, and I didn't like the tone. And he said, "That's like telling a, a lawyer who's come to give you uh, to read a will and tell you about your legacy. I don't like the way you're delivering my gifts. So, uh, if you remember uh, that part of it, that was when you saw this picture of Doctor Hill, and there he is in all, all of his glory with his Geneva preaching tabs on. And his his biographer uh, said that uh, posterity should have interest in the character of such a man. So I hope that, uh, that, that that'll be true for us today. Uh, Reverend Hill was a, a wealthy man. He was the son of a baronet. He Went to Cambridge University, had all the best schooling, Master of Arts degree. While at school he came under the influence of George Whitfield, a great uh, you know, uh, evangelist of the times of the Great Awakening. And uh, he had a great influence upon, upon uh, Roland Hill to the point that he was going about doing itinerant preaching long before he was ordained to the ministry. And actually he, he was never ordained to the priesthood of the Church of England. Uh, he was uh, younger than either Woodfield or the Wesley's and it, uh, he approached five different uh, Anglican bishops and all refused him ordination. Probably uh, with the idea they didn't want any more enthusiasts within the established church. So uh, not to be uh, Uh, undone. Uh, Mr. Hill uh, just went out on his own. He started his own church. We'll talk a little bit about that later. He always said his theology was very simple, like education with the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. His three R's were ruin by the fall, redemption by the cross of Christ, regeneration by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, as he said. He was the founder of several religious tract societies, uh, the British Foreign Bible Society, as a big supporter of the London Missionary uh, Society, which you know was uh, uh, very important in early missionary work. He was, and what we want to concentrate on today, a loyal and dear friend of a man by the name of Edward Jenner. Now Jenner was the fellow who uh, developed the smallpox vaccine, and that's where the vaccination part comes in here. Hill said that, uh, quoting him, vaccination well deserves the patronage of all those who wish to exemplify the truly Christian mind. He had met uh, uh, Edward Jenner while he was, uh, he had, like I said, he was a wealthy man. He had a summer home not far from the, uh, from the town in Berkeley in Gloucestershire, England, where, where Jenner resided and it's thought that that's, that's where they met. And Jenner's father was, was a vicar. He was the, uh, the local minister at the Church of St. Mary's there at, uh, in Berkeley, so they probably had that connection as well. Now, as I said, Roland Hill was uh, sort of, probably today would be known as like a fire and brimstone preacher. He pulled no punches with his, uh, with his sermons. And uh, when he's doing his itinerant preaching after, after his sermon, and this is a direct quote, He would end each sermon by saying I am ready to vaccinate tomorrow morning as many children as you choose and if you wish them to escape that horrid disease the smallpox you will bring them so he uh, someone jokingly said he he told them that uh, repent or you're going to hell on Sunday and on Monday he said your children are going to die of smallpox if you don't bring them here he didn't pull any punches as as you might guess now, so he learned vaccination. He vaccinated him, uh, as he said, many people on his own. So, uh, in those days, that sort of thing was permissible, I guess. Uh, but he was a man of letters. He also uh, wrote a, a treatise on uh, on vaccination. Uh, the title wasn't here. The title you can tell it's Roland Hill style. He said he wrote "Calpox Inoculation, Vindicated and Recommended from Matters of Fact." That was in 1806, and he wrote to many of his uh, fellow clergymen, urging them, he said since they had influences over their uh, congregations that uh, they might uh, allay some of the prejudices that would be against the practice, and he would tell them, he would end by saying that this practice may become a general blessing for our land. The next slide, you may want to avert your eyes. If... uh, If you're a little schemish, I won't leave it on long. They say a picture's worth a thousand words, just to show you the devastation that this disease has. Um, It was lethal and over 30 to 40 percent, uh, and those it didn't kill, it often horribly disfigured. Uh, The poet laureate of uh, of England, John Dryden, in, in the 17th century said, fierce disease which knows not how to spare The young, the great, the knowing, or the fair. This idea about sparing the fair was uh, sort of the basis of anecdotal information that people who had had cowpox, another form of a disease, contracted from cows, were immune. They didn't use the word, they didn't know about immunity, but did not then catch uh, smallpox. Uh, smallpox, interesting enough, I know you've heard about it on blankets and that sort of thing, and that is a way it can be passed, just as the coronavirus on objects too, but the primary means of uh, of transmission, uh, like uh, influenza, and the coronavirus, is is respiratory. Here we see the man that developed the smallpox vaccine, the loyal friend of uh, Roland Hill, Edward Jenner. He was a country physician, although he was well trained, he was a scientist. He did much work in the natural sciences. In fact, he was most well-known for the work that he'd done in ornithology, looking at uh, the nesting behavior of the European cuckoo. Uh, he, uh, but he, it, he, too, had heard about this anecdotal evidence, and he wanted to uh, decide to experiment on it. Berkeley is in a region. It's a, there's a lot, it was a dairy region, a lot of uh, cattle. And a, a young lady came to him who had had uh, cowpox. Often in those days, uh, milkmaids milking was woman's work, if you will, and she had contracted the disease. And she came to see him, and he decided to, to try to determine if indeed it did confer any kind of uh, protection from the smallpox. So he took uh, material from this milkmaid's lesion. And then he proceeded to inoculate a young eight-year-old boy with, with that. Uh, it, was, uh, it was his gardener's son. Uh, I guess it shows the faith that the gardener had in Dr. Uh, Jenner. But uh, he, and it gets worse. Then after that, after a few weeks, he then inoculated this same boy with the real smallpox. To see, there were no institutional re- review boards then, and he was able to to do this. But what I found interesting, you know, it said that Jenner was very meticulous in his, uh, uh, you know, gathering data. And it, we know that the boy's name, the gardener's son's name, was James Phipps. He was eight years old. He was vaccinated on May 14, 1796, with pus from the lesion of the milkmaid named Sarah Nelms which she had acquired from a cow named Blossom. So, <laughs> so we can trace it all the way back to the cow here. And the, uh, actually, after the cow died, they took off one of its horns and gave it to Jenner that they said he kept on his uh, desk all of his life. Uh, so Jenner was, like I said, he, he's, he, never, he stayed, uh, he didn't travel much, he stayed close to home, never lived more than 100 yards from the parish church of St. Mary's where his father was vicar, it's where he's buried as well. After this uh, experiment, which uh, he uh, uh, thought was uh, you know, successful, and all accounts it was, he submitted it uh, to a journal. I think scientists do. He had already submitted his cuckoo work to the same journal, uh, The Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society, and uh, it was uh, summarily uh, rejected <laughs> in the peer-reviewed journal. Well, Jenner, not to be outdone, he published it himself. Uh, the title, bear with me now, was Inquiry into the Causes and Effects of the Variola Vaccinia, a disease discovered in some of the western counties of England, particularly Gloucestershire, and known by the name Calpox. Peer reviewers were probably turned off by the title as much as anything else. Isn't that long... But in that, in that uh, paper, he referred to it as, uh, he used the word, vaccine. And this was really when the, when the term was first coined by Jenner. Uh, Jenner, being classically trained, was referring to the fact that it, that it had come from a cow. Latin, vaca cow, or vaculum, cow-like. And uh, remember that, that'll be important as we go on here. This is a, a very famous painting by uh, Heilmacher of Edward Jenner, sort of the bucolic uh, th- the thing, you know, artistic license. It wasn't oil on canvas in eight, from 1884, but it shows Jenner inoculating a young boy, the family looking on. Jenner's biographer said that he was a man of great integrity and humility, expressing what he said the, uh, the Christian aspect the Christian character given in Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor, is humility. We know that uh, Jenner was a believing man, that uh, shortly before he died, we have one of his letters that he wrote to a friend, and he says, I am not surprised that men are not grateful to me, but I wonder what, that they are not grateful to God. For the good which he has made instrumental in conveying to his fellow creatures, now Jenner's work was uh, lauded by many, including this fellow. if you remember him, Louis Pasteur? If you look at a bottle of milk, you'll know it always says pasteurized. Sorry, a carton of milk, not in bottle. There he is, sorry. (laughs) And uh, he uh, Pasteur was sort of like the pioneer in microbiology. He developed this process of pasteurization where fluids are held to a certain degree for a given amount of time to inactivate organisms that would cause spoilage primarily, also some disease-causing organisms. Truth in uh, truth in advertising. Here, he developed it for wine, not for milk. He <laughs> was French, but uh, nonetheless, it's still used today. He also was the developer of uh, the rabies of, uh, of a treatment for rabies, which of course is a very deadly disease. And uh, when when his rabies treatment was developed, he insisted that it be called the rabies vaccine, and he said he did this in honor of, of Jenner, to uh, perpetuate. Uh, the, the use of the word vaccine. Now just to put together again this uh, science, religion aspect I'm trying to talk about today, uh, Pasteur himself, he said, a bit of science distances one from God, but much science nears one to him. The more I study nature, the more I stand amazed at the work of the creator. Now another Person who was fond of uh, Jenner. Let's see here. Was this fellow? I think. Did everyone recognize him? <laughs> yes. If you, you didn't recognize Jenner, you didn't recognize Pasteur, I'm sure you know this fellow, Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, during Jenner's time, England and uh, and France were at war more than they were not, and of course he was. Uh, uh, the, the Napoleonic Wars took up a large uh, part of both the national treasuries, but uh, Napoleon had uh, insisted that uh, that his army be vaccinated using the English method against smallpox. It was later, then, in, in 1805, that letter that uh, Jenner, Dr. Jenner, wrote a letter to the emperor, as he was then, uh, to Napoleon, and uh, asking if he would release two POWs, two prisoners of war, that were friends of his. Uh, one, one, one was a physician. They said that Napoleon, uh, the story goes that Napoleon sort of summarily dismissed it uh, initially because he gets so many of these. But uh, someone caught his attention. One story is it was his wife, That this, who, who this uh, request had come from. And when we do have the response, Napoleon said, ah, we, the royal we, can refuse nothing from this man, one of the greatest benefactors of mankind. This is Surrey Chapel. This is the chapel that was built by Roland Hill after he received his inheritance. As I said, he he came from a wealthy family. After denied ordination in the Church of England, he started his own non-denominational chapel called Surrey Chapel. He bought some land, which they said was swamp land, and it was in a bad neighborhood. Uh, One of his uh, friends, one of his uh, clergyman friends, Burge said in writing to another one, he said, Dear Raleigh, that's what they called him, Dear Raleigh is going with the Lord's help to erect a standard for the gospel in the very middle of the devil's dominions in London. Some said he built in a swamp surrounded by thieves, drunkards, and harlots. But it drew thousands of people. His preaching drew thousands of people. His inaugural sermon there was on June the twenty fourth in seventeen eighty two, and he took uh, as his text uh, isaiah twenty eight sixteen, familiar to all of us, I'm sure, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And of course, this is, again, is quoted in the, you know in First Peter. And he that believeth in him shall not be, as the King James says, confounded. Referring to Jesus as the cornerstone. And uh, he wasn't worried about the swamp he had built in. Roland Hill always was preaching, as he said, that, the elect must, that Jesus was the elect Messiah who God had, had honored. From the Surrey Chapel, he had he produced a large Sunday school. In one of those Sunday school rooms, he devoted to vaccination. He said over 10,000 people were vaccinated there. Uh, Hill said 5,000 by my own hand. So you can see that uh, the connection between this minister, vaccinator, and uh, science uh, and religion was uh, important even then in the 18th century. I wanted to bring it a little forward here to make it a little more uh, interesting. You probably don't know this fellow either. This is uh, Dr. D.A. Henderson. Uh, He was... uh, the man who headed up the uh, World Health Organization global eradica- uh, uh, Smallpox Global Eradication uh, Team. He was uh, an Ohio boy, went to Oberlin College, and uh, just on a personal note, I had the opportunity to meet with him uh, some years back. He had been asked to come to town to give a memorial lecture for uh, the uh, Cincinnati Health Commissioner who had died rather suddenly. His wife was, uh, had worked with me for many years and I was invited to dinner with them. He had some very interesting stories, as you might imagine. Uh, he was uh, part of the Epidemic Intelligence Service at US Centers for Disease Control for the majority of his time. And, and he, he remained with the CDC. He said that uh, when he was tapped by the World Health Organization to lead up the smallpox effort, he said, I, I remained on the payroll of the CDC. I didn't want to give up my good government paycheck. So he was unsure that, you know, what would hold the, uh, what, uh, the future held. And uh, he also jokingly said that uh, he thought they chose him because when it failed, they'd have an American to blame. But luckily, it, it, didn't, it didn't fail. Um, after the smallpox campaign he went on, he was, he became the Dean of the School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins. This is a, a book he wrote, I have a copy, it went to my daughters, called Smallpox, The Death of the Disease. If you look closely you can see, uh, I put it up there primarily to see how this was done. You see this bifurcated lancet with the drop of vaccine in the middle. That's the way smallpox was administered. Now. Everyone in my generation was vaccinated against small, smallpox. Uh, it's not done anymore, but it, it was, wasn't just a jab. It was a sticking in and sort of turning it. And it made a blister, made like, in essence, a cowpock on wherever they put it. I remember as a, as a boy, the, uh, when children at school would have, the teacher would often say, be careful, don't hit so-and-so's arm. He just got his smallpox vaccine. He just got vaccinated. So uh, there was, uh, it was still going on. We don't uh, vaccinate for smallpox anymore, and that's because it's, not, it's been eradicated. One of the very few diseases that this has happened. This is another gentleman that was on the team with, uh, with Dr. Henderson, William Foggie. He uh, was like Jenner, son of a clergyman, one of six children of a Lutheran pastor. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, and I think this may have had some influence on what happened, He was his uncle was a uh, missionary in New Guinea. Now, he worked with uh, Dr. Henderson on with this World Health uh, team and uh, later went on to become uh, the director of the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. He, uh, was, he served under both Presidents Carter and uh, Reagan. And then he, in 2012, he received the Congressional Medal of Freedom from... Uh, uh, President Obama, who referred to him as a religious man. <laughs> uh, he had uh, developed, or, you know, in many of these things, whether it's developed or carried on, an idea called RING, R-I-N-G, vaccination. And in this, uh, what was done is they find the case of where the smallpox was. It was prompted primarily by the fact that there was a lack of uh, supply of the vaccine. You would go to where, the, where a person had the smallpox, vaccinate the family and all the recent contacts, and then come back and use the rest of it in places like commercial centers where, they come, where people come together. And uh, it was first used uh, in the late 60s in a particularly bad uh, outbreak that was going on in Eastern Nigeria. Uh, Henderson, initially Dr. Henderson, was not too keen on the idea, but uh, he eventually became a strong proponent of it, primarily because he saw that it worked, I guess. The question of course being, here comes this uh, out of town medical team and uh, how do we find the active cases? Well they didn't know uh, the terrain, generally didn't know the the language. And they came up with the idea that they would radio every local Christian missionary and ask them if they would send runners to find where an active case of smallpox was. And this is where uh, this is where it cut, they came in with uh, again the interaction of science and religion, and that and that worked very well. It's this focused uh, surveillance and uh, the missionaries then relayed back the information to the to the vaccinating team, and then they would go and vaccinate the people. the The last case of smallpox naturally occurring was was in 1977. The uh, 1980, the World Health Organization declared that uh, smallpox had been eradicated from the face of the earth. Amazing, I mean, it's amazing. An infectious disease totally eliminated, primarily due to vaccination. It was very uh, uh, fortuitous that it, they were able to do that before the AIDS a, uh, epidemic that came shortly thereafter, because those that are infected with that are not, cap- are not able to take a, a vaccine uh, because of their uh, lowered immune status. So uh, it all worked together very well, but it started with uh, with the support of a of an evangelical uh, Christian minister, Roland Hill, and in essence uh, ended in the end by the help of uh, Christian missionaries. Uh, I'd be remiss, I guess, if a Roland Hill like Roland Hill, if I didn't encourage all of you, if it comes available for the vaccine, that I would take it. I'd like to I'd like to uh, close with a quote uh, by uh, Mr. Hill from 1806, and uh, these turned out to be I think very prophetic words. And he said, and this is what he said: He said, "Let our exertions be universal, immediate, and zealous, and I am very sure that a death by the smallpox will be brought forward as a very rare instance indeed. In short." I believe that no one disease will be less fatal than that which is now so much the dreaded scourge of the human race. That was Roland Hill in 1806, about 175 years later, it came to be true. So with that, I think I'll close. Our closing hymn,